the meat grinder. Meat is in the brand. Meat as in the substance. The meat grinder. It's going to get put to work. Lots of work. We, uh... I'm not saying we haven't used it since this, but we got to use it for my brother's deer, which he's never come in here and podcast about. And he, it was officially scored last week, was that? Last week. Dare I let you in on the score now or wait till he shows up? Do we think he's ever going to show up? He told me he was going to show up. He told me he booked his travel uh, and that he would come up here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it a secret. Yeah, we could actually put out a post or something yeah. and guess the f- official score. It was scored official, which means it's been 60 days since that hunt. So, Clay, we were just discussing this on the way home from Chico, which we're going to talk about right now. Uh, Clay ground up a bunch of that deer for my brother. Um, It's tasty. We've all been enjoying it. Again, I know that it's been used since then, but she's going to get a workout now. (laughs) Because we just got home from a really good hunt in Chico, Northern California. Last week in the waterfowl season. Last week in the waterfowl season. Last day of goose. Yeah, it all happened. We actually had a fun trip. I, I mean, could you say that we had the best trip that we've ever had hunting wise? No. Uh, we had a, we had a little bit of a strange Canada goose hunt planned, and really, you know, if if you. If you were hunting in your own state, you know, or if if we were hunting down on the river or whatever, and you killed a couple of geese, you wouldn't be upset about it. But when you drive four hours and you kind of make a big production out of it, and um, you know, we killed two two big honkers, which was cool. But the the group of them that we were after landed 150 or I don't know 200 yards. Kind of got you excited. Uh, yeah, how the story came to me was. There's only two groups really that are working and you'll be done hunting by 7 38 yeah, o'clock. First light hunt. First light, two groups coming in, about 20, 25 each group, and you'll be done. Well, the and reason the, the deal I was just gonna say, he said the, the only reason we're doing it is because when we were scouting, there's seven bands mm-hmm. in the first group that came in. Yeah. And they've been there for two or three days. So yes, we were gonna do that, even though we were only gonna, you know, get a shoot basis. At most in the two groups, right? So, well, and we thought that'd be a good good lineup because really, our at least mine and it was mostly our plan for that day was to go watch chances at least one of chances doubleheader games, and it gave us an opportunity to watch both games. Right, that's so what you know. We had that... a doubleheader baseball game scheduled for that day too, so that you know it's kind of good that it worked out the way it did. Right, and that's what you know we by all means you know it wasn't a great hunt, but still killed two. Two big honkers. They they weren't banded for anybody on pins and needles. Uh, the 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 big group, which used to be two groups, landed it in one thing, 150, 200 yards away from us, and the hunt's over. Nothing you can do about it. You know, you could see. I mean, hundreds of swans flew over us. Ducks flew over us. Specks flew over us. Snows flew over us. Cranes flew over us. But they're not. That nothing was working that field except for these 35 or whatever, 40 Canada geese, uh, and didn't happen, but yeah. So then we rip up to Butte and yeah, got to watch two cool, uh, college baseball games. Um, Clint's son, uh, playing up there, I guess this is his freshman year. Mm-hmm. They ended <laughs> up winning both those games. They traveled the next day, won the third game of that series. And then today, or I'm sorry, yesterday they went to, uh, Yuba and it looks like they didn't play very well. They were down like six one or eight one or something. They ended up winning sixteen to nine. Yeah, it wow. came back, poured on, time. poured it on them in the end. So they've they're uh, four and zero. Oh, and I I saw their website today. Their best start in uh, t- twelve years, I believe they said. Yeah, so that's awesome. So they're a good little team. They're to watch. number seven. They're ranked number seven in the California JUCO, uh, you know, which you know, that's as good as some D1 level schools as far as, you know, California Juco is really darn competitive and they're number seven right now. California Penal? California Penal League. How do you get there? Stole a car. 
Um, and that was fun, man. It was it was <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, Chance uh, stole a couple bases. Yeah, the, the two games we went to stole a base in each game. Scored a run in one game. Uh, so fun to watch, you know. And what did we do that night? That night we had dinner at a uh, at a friend's house down there and got to see some of the local uh, nightlife in Durham, California. And if you've never been there, I don't know that you'll ever make it now. <laughs> but it was it was super fun. And then we got up early. And this is, I guess, what I'll tell you is it wasn't the greatest hunt of our lives. We got up early and went coyote hunting uh, in the waterfowl, you know, hot spot in Northern California. We just couldn't couldn't pass up the opportunity. There's coyotes out there. They say we were uh, we did see one. I can't say we were unable to locate them. We did call one in. We should to forty. To, 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 we were one for seven. I think. Forty we were yards. One for seven. Forty yards through an orchard. Uh, very get, hard to see, which if you've never been off. in a in an almond orchard or a walnut orchard, they're flat, but it's the there's so many trees. It's it's like you get these little windows, you know, to see, and uh, you can see real good down the row. You're down the row in. you're on, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you were if you could get one that would come down your row, that'd be great. But that that you got a one in four hundred chance of that happening. 4,000. <laughs> yeah. So Clint saw this dog. Uh, what was, when, what, how far out was he when you saw him? Mm, 70, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say 100 to 100, 120, but close. Yeah. Close. Bombing in, co- coming hard, but yeah, coming at an angle. So normal circumstance, you would have seen him way before we saw him. And he, well, normal circumstances, we were, I mean, you got to talk about the setup. We were sitting back to back on a tree facing every direction because, we didn't know. I mean, yeah, they could have came from everywhere. And it's funny. We had a big open kind of a field with that tall California grass in it. And it was like, lo- it was logical that one would be in there. And, and you know, that you'd see him kind of bouncing through the, through the grass. But, uh, so Clay and I actually faced that direction. Clay with a shotgun, me with one of the Benelli rifles. And then Clint sat behind me facing the orchard, given that it's so hard to see in the orchard. I mean, you, but you want to have somebody back there looking, you know, and uh, he also had a rifle. And of course, this coyote comes in from the left hand side of Clay and myself. So would have been a back door, you know, deal. But Clint was back there to see him. But on, you know, a far hard right for you. So not 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 a shot for Clint to make. Then I'm waiting to, to kind of turn. I'm in between Clay and the coyote now, so Clay can't do anything. With the shotgun. With a yeah. shotgun. And he's staring at us because, <laughs> again, there's no cover in the orchard. And, you th- you know, it, it, you're sitting in a tree, basically. you got your back against the tree. It's like turkey hunting in them. And uh, he, so he knew right where we were, and he stared at us and stared at us. And the wind was going that and way. And the wind was, he, of course, <laughs> he comes on the downwind side like he's supposed to. And, uh. He made he did he made one more step towards the decoy. I tried to turn over to to get my rifle on him at that point. He he sees me spins right around. Doesn't give even give me one second, you know, just spins and takes off and runs out to what 9500 yards maybe before he stopped the second time, but in the orchard. So you got a tree trunk, <laughs> you know, every inch that you can see and uh Clint tried to thread the needle on him and hit a tree. Hit a tree. So <laughs> that was our that was awesome. Our, yeah, awesome coyote hunt in California. It was cool though, man. We saw a bunch of deer and uh called them know, to us. Yeah, th- it was funny how they would respond to that call. You you do that, you know, like a fawn in distress call, and they'd actually come over and want to check it out, even though they didn't they had yearling kind of deer with them, but not, you know, no babies or anything like that. And but still they wanted to come over and check them out. And that one field, how many how many were in that one field that we walked so much of? There had to have been 25 of them in at there, least, right? At least. And Clay saw this big old, you know, 16-inch <laughs> long, 20-inch wide spike. That was the only, that's the only horn we got to see on any of them. He was huge. I, I enjoy being in that country in general, you know. It's definitely weird. Definitely yeah. different. Um, But I don't know if I've, you know, I've been down there a lot, obviously, waterfowl hunting. 
pig hunting, but I've never once seen a coyote out, out mousing around mousing in any right. of the fields. I've never seen. Occasionally really, you see one hit on the highway, but not, not very much. Not, and I've never seen rabbits yeah. there. And you talk to Rocky and everybody else, oh, they're saw coyotes stay on the levee. Saw coyotes. I mean, they're there every day, obviously, and they have more chances to see them, but you'd think you'd see them a lot more if there's that many there. So are there that many there? Well, and, and technically, what, these spots were never called, right? I mean, yeah, that's, never that's what called. we were told. <laughs> Nobody calls them. No one hunts them. A lot of private land we were on. And still no action. Yeah. So time of year, wrong sounds. No I re- think we've talked about it for a lot of years. Non-coyote hunters, hunters, but people who really don't call and specifically go after coyotes, it's always over exaggerated when they're telling you that you know there's so many coyotes out here. There's you know, we see them all over the place. You know, generally they see three of them, and, and and that's that means coyotes are everywhere. And there's just I don't know. There's, to me, there's just a misperception of if they hear coyotes howling, they think it's ten of them when it's actually two or maybe three of them. You know, I just think the perspective's off most of the time. And we almost always when we go in and call them the areas where there's quote unquote coyotes all over the place there's nowhere near what your what their you know what their take is on it yeah and it was definitely true down there i like I said i think i think rocky will drive through and he sees a coyote on a levee and then maybe the next morning he sees another one and you know there's coyotes everywhere no there's not there's a there's a few coyotes roaming around because they yeah. have to i'd imagine there because it's so flat they they cover a lot of ground i mean i bet you they're very mobile there they're not sticking in the same area very much and well it's like Clay said, you don't see a lot of rabbits. You know, you don't, there's obviously probably a lot of rodents, you know, given that it's heavy yeah. in the ag. Yeah, mice and squirrels and squirrels. stuff like that, you know, especially in those orchard, those nut orchards got to be full of squirrels unless they, unless they kick them out or whatever, kill them. But my favorite part of the coyote hunting was every time we, uh, the sound would go off in that first stand with the turkeys turkeys just hammering even though it's not even you know full spring and they're strutting and everything but these freaking turkeys every time you know a distress sound would go off or basically any sound they were just like well they're kind of like that they're like that during the season too you'll hear a a farmer next door shut a shut a door real hard and all of a sudden they're just some kind of foreign sound to them they tend to get real talkative it was funny if you you know like we play the number one you know sound you know this this uh jackrabbit and a spread distress and it's got a lot of like you know wah, 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 but then it has a real long and when it would hit that note that made them all you know that whatever that hit that certain pitch that that they yeah. didn't like or whatever that's their warning sound i guess right that something startles them and that's the sound they make i guess to ah who knows but yeah that was really cool and that stand you got to wonder if it just wasn't so thick that we never saw something come in there. You know what I mean? I mean, nothing came and and pounced on the decoy, obviously, but how how could there not be a bobcat slinking around in that bottom or a coyote, you know, that you just never, I mean, we tried to get a little bit of height. We sat, you know, kind of up on a tree stump, you know, or a fallen tree, but you, you couldn't see, you weren't getting a lot of distance out of that, out of that. And I got to think that something, something had to have been around that stand. Obviously those big fields calling, who knows? You yeah, know? and I've never, you know, we got to get in there because I've never really had success calling in Canada a little bit, but wherever I try to call into an open field, it's just never really been good, like yeah. a big open ag field for me. You it's, see those, those, you know, the guys in Wyoming and stuff, they call those big, maybe not a cultivated field but you know those big balls yeah prairie but they're expanses. rolling hills yeah. and stuff that's where the i mean that's just the but terrain for coyotes right. i think maybe first thing in the morning um but a lot of i don't see them out there right i mean think it, about in the middle of the day mouse and they are obviously and i see them but i've never had success they just don't feel comfortable i don't think yeah walking out into an open field I was there's say, no cover they're like everything else they, they don't want to just be exposed like that yeah exposed you, you know you're exposed to everything you're exposed to human you know human life you're exposed to 
But again, the second spot was it was an open field, but it was tight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't wide. So I I thought we were going to have success there for sure, especially with those deer that didn't spook on the way in. But still, nothing. I thought it was going to you know be like when we hunt the the dry lake beds. You know, they'd come off the sagebrush and at least give you a look, come out of those thickets and give you a look or something, but nothing. That's what I was just thinking about. You know, the equivalent of our country is we've called coyotes here a lot. So with repetition. There's been a few coyotes over the years that have crossed an open alkali flat, but not very often. Mm-mm. So the same thing there. If we call there, you know, week after week, year after year, I'm sure every once in a while they will cover those. But they're they're going to stay in that cover. Any animal is going to stay in that cover, even though they're coming into a, a wounded animal sound. They're still not going to just come bombing in most of the time. So, yep. But, you know, it did bomb in. the next day yeah we got word that there was so this here a little backstory i went down we talked about didn't i didn't we talk about me going down there me and tom going down there yeah so me and tom went down there a week prior to this on a friday and we killed 90 specs nine of us in a hurry and same farmer's land but four or five fields further up into the mountains so more rolly hills merlot found they were hitting there again and there was what what would you say after after the hunt looking at the geese i don't know how to say it 30,000 50,000 50,000 so many snow geese and specks hitting this farmer's land all in green grass pasture land and so it's a a dairy farm so on Sunday morning, we set up, what, 2,000 decoys, 1,500 decoys, Avery GHG, full body decoys, and again, nine shooters, right? Yeah. Nine shooters, two cameramen in the spread this time, wearing white Vitek, Vi, Vitex? Uh, no, now I can't get Vitek out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> Something. Painter suits. Yeah, painter, painter suits. suits. Tyvek. <laughs> Tyvek. I started with Vitek, the Vitek Tyvek. Yeah, there you go. Tyvek you suits. <laughs> uh, suits, and you get a lay, no blind, no anything. Just lay with white suits on with your white decoys and lay right in the middle of them. So basically, if the birds are working, they're going to be five feet from you if it works out. And boy, did it. Boy. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny to think about, like, well... I liked it. It was different though. Like a layout blind to me is a little bit more comfortable. You know, your back's yeah, you, you know up, up off the ground a little bit. You, but you, you just lay in these decoys in a white suit. You've and, never done that before. No. Oh, really? Never. Oh, oh, oh. So have you done that? My first two. Well, and that's a, the nature of those snow geese because we've all watched people do it, and you guys have done it a ton of times. But the way you set up your decoys, you obviously strategically have pockets. You know, the kill hole and all that kind of stuff, but you're just putting decoys as close together as they possibly can because that's how they, you would look at them out in the field. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, that's how they're, they're unique. They're totally different than Canada's because they're just they're stacked on top I mean, of each other. They're being right up next to each other. So you can, you know, with a white suit on, you can hide in there pretty dang good because you're just, you're just another five geese stacked up on but top of each see, other. And like the, the, the little dark spots of you just look like they're tail feathers. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be, like you said, there's going to be contrast of, color you know you got a green field you got white snow geese you got dark specks which we had some specks in our spread so yeah we had a we had a what a 24 by 36 hard case in the spread you know with the microphones and camera gear and stuff like that a couple decoys on there line bags you got everything did you notice when we were done hunting and looked out at those live birds that the decoy setup was exactly the same with those those holes in the middle it's crazy. They get there and and it just they, it, they need a place to land. They right? know so exciting. So they land in those holes. It's like they are inviting, come on down, land in this hole, but then spread out again. Then get over and, here, yeah. yeah, and leave that little hole amongst the whole, you know, yeah. herd of us, flock of us, herd of us. We were the whole flock of them. We were talking about that. There was this other field that's right off the side of the highway that um anybody in that area and just generally people who are into goose hunting kind of know about this migration that's going on because there's just hundreds of thousands of birds but this one this one particular field off right off the highway where we were driving by every day 
had the same thing, like 30,000, and not a very big field. It was just a dirt field with there's presumably nothing in it, and these birds would just pile in there all day long. And um, when I was there with Tom, we were, you know, Tom was getting some photos and some video and some different stuff, and I was like, you'd think that there'd be some, you know, predator birds in here, eagles and hawks and stuff working on the outskirts of this and picking some of these birds off. And I, I never once saw any bird of prey over those, those geese. No. Which got you to thinking, you know, safety and numbers kind of stuff. And that's got to be the main thing with how those geese in general are, but definitely those snow geese, they pile in there so tight. And if you think about it, there's so many of them. You think one of the, a hawk could just dive bomb in there and pick one off easy, easy. but the moment it starts dive bombing, those things start taking off. They'll kill that hawk. Right. <laughs> just their wing beats and the sheer mass and number of them coming up. So if you think about it, it's actually a pretty good uh, survival technique. Pile in and, and, and eat right on top of each other, and you're never, ever going to get killed because the moment you see something coming from above, you know you just take off and the thing's going to die. There's no smothered. way it would be able to get you. So that, that I thought that was kind of – I've never really put that much thought into – why and you, what made me say that was because you're saying that's almost like they're inviting them. You know, they leave that open hole like they're inviting more birds because the more birds that pile on top, the safer they are. Yeah, yeah. I imagine the same would be. You know, if a coyote could sneak up in there, I mean, yeah, I guess it could catch one off the edge. You know, I'm maybe sure have a little do. better chance of grabbing one. But it it it's insane to see that number of birds. That's what's the the cool thing. You know, I've been lucky enough to been be a part of it several times now with those snow geese. It's very very powerful to have that many birds. But the deal what's different this time versus the other times that I've done it. Snow geese usually what they do is grind. They'll they'll come in and circle and circle and circle and circle and grind and then work their way down in a vortex and sit into that little hole. But this time it was blowing 15 to 20. It was, it started out with hail first thing in the morning. Then it rained for two hours and every group was straight in. Not one group. If you thought, think about it, not no. one group circled, not one. Don't you think it was that? I thought it to me, it was the perfect hunting condition. That North wind. We had that, like you said, 10, 15 mile oh, an hour, awesome. sometimes a little strong, but that cold North wind and, and they and were landing the, into it and it being wonder, on that downhill slope too, you know, cause you're kind of face down like this and they come straight in. They, it's almost like a natural landing. I've just never been a part of a hunt where birds, um, I mean, not never because it happened last Friday, those specks, right. when we killed the nine specks, the same exact thing straight in, not one circle this time. Was the wind blowing that, that day? Yeah. Yes, I but I mean, just... I've you always hunt with waterfowl and they circle through regardless. Right. I've never been a part, especially snow geese. It's always a grind. They're right. always coming, flying over you or out in front and then circle in a vortex. And then, then once they decide, yeah, we want to do it and land. Do you think that, that look... low, hold on, the lowest ones just fall out? And then it's basically a race to get to the bottom because they circle into a vertex, vortex and then just straight down. Right. Where... This one, it was just, I mean, it Float, was, they were floating right it was in our floating, face. It was like a landing gear, flock after flock after, I don't, do we not, do we shoot into a group other than like a single here and there, but every group that we shot into were thousands of birds. Yeah. Yeah. We had the, Except the two, we had the, we had the 15, we had these, you know, occasional little small groups, but the real good ones were. Yeah, I mean, you had to you had to make the call because you could obviously let them land or do whatever, but there was just so many more behind. It's like at some point in time you gotta you gotta get up and shoot thousands of birds. So I I always had the feeling, especially those big groups, they'd be coming in and they were they were landing straight into that north wind, and they were they were pretty high, right? I mean, they were up high and they were pretty close, right? And I'm thinking, man, they're gonna overshoot us, and we're gonna be we're gonna be shooting at them basically straight above our head. No, nope. but because of that wind, they just cup up, and they'd almost just they Dang. would start keep dropping, but they would be they wouldn't be moving anymore. They'd just be going straight mm -hmm. down like a helicopter, and then they'd drop another twenty yards, and then they'd make it a little closer to you, and then you're thinking, oh no, they're gonna overshoot us, and then pretty soon they're fifteen yards in front of your face. Pretty yeah, yeah pretty soon you can't tell where, where you are because you're just completely surrounded and geese it almost like i said it almost confuses your eye there's so many of them and some of them are shifting left to right some are shifting right to left some are going down some are popping up it's just so much movement and then looking at the the video and photos 
getting home, it's like, holy cow, there, there was a lot of geese. But there, there lies a problem with a lot of uh, people, too. And I, I mean, everyone, I do it as well, flock shooting. Because you're sitting there going, there's no way I'm going to miss. Right. There's 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 birds on top of you. There's no way I'm missing. But that's when you really have to bear down a con. Because when there is only five or something, you go out and pick a bird and you concentrate and you shoot. Yeah. But you let your guard down when there's that many. You're just like, oh, I got to aim. Something's going to die. Right. And as long you as go, I point the barrel three, towards you go them. 0 for 3 real quick. So yeah. you know, really, what really helped me with that too is they were every group that came in was not just snow geese. Well, they, and I, Ooh, yeah. having the specs in there to me, I, and I don't do that type of hunting very often at all. And that helped me shoot. I felt, felt like I shot pretty good overall because I was able to, Aiming for the specs. I was just picking out dark birds. I literally shot one snow goose all day myself. I just was like trying to stay, the snow geese were just, you know, there was so many of them and specs taste so good and all this kind of stuff. So they'd help me focus in on the dark bird yeah you know so yeah it's like depth perception wise like once you focused in on that because they're in their little mini groups right little subgroups of the whole huge yeah group. they are and you so you'd see these like 20 black birds coming it was like that allowed me to kind of focus and get my depth perception down yep i uh several times came up you know or or you know, shoot one and then go to shoot another one and it'd already be crumpled, falling out of the sky. So then you got to find another one because it does. It's surprising. Even with those 2000, you know, three, how, they get out pretty quick, man. They're they, like, with, especially with the wind, obviously. They, yeah, they, they can just turn tail and, and rip. Go. Yeah. As slow as they're coming in against that wind, as, as soon as they lift those, <laughs> lift that landing gear, boom, they're gone. Yeah, it's fifth, it, what, they're, that, that was interesting what you just said, Alex, because I was on the very far left side of our setup. So it was e- a lot easier because yeah. you were pretty much in the middle. Yeah, I was right in the middle. So for me and Clay, we pretty much could focus in, okay, so here's this, yeah. you know, here's this group of birds that are in the kill hole. Well, for us, it was easy to just shoot the birds on the left. On the edge, yeah. For you, it was like, do I pick middle right? Do I pick middle? Where do I go? So I could see you having issues. So if you look at the pictures in there, the, the guys are aimed, you know, say their gun's at a 45 degree angle. Mine's at like a 60 because I found out real quick, they're all shooting these ones that are right. Low, like right on low. the deck, yeah. So I just go up one level of birds, and nobody's shooting those up there, <laughs> and, and, you know. So I just shoot because, like you said, those the, are those ones that were falling through the fl- camera lens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like yeah. you know, that's the problem of being in the. It's fun being in the middle, you know, because obviously more conversation. Lot, you're and, you're right in the middle of the kill. Yeah, yeah you got a guy on each side. Yeah. Of you, you're, you know, you can hear. Well, especially I sat or laid next to Chad and Rocky was just one for, and they were the two calling the shots, so you can hear it. Obviously, you can hear Rockies all the time. Holy cow. What? I was just going to say, what? <laughs> now you already know where I'm going with it. What was the the scariest? <laughs> Jesus. He, Rocky loves, I mean, I get it. He's he's not deaf, but he has hearing aids. Uh, and being a guide, when there is nine or ten guides, you got to be loud. loud to make sure everybody knows that you're calling Time the shot, shoot, right? Yeah. And if you're, as he usually is, sitting on an edge with his dog, dogs don't hunt out of the middle, right? They're usually on the edge with their owner. Um, he's, yell- I mean, he- but in doing that. I never heard someone yell so loud. He scares the, 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 birds. the, the birds that are at 15 yards, 20 yards. And by the time you get up, those low ones are at 40 yards. And you're like, Rocky. Yeah. Okay. You can yell, but just not yell as loud as you can. <laughs> I wondered if you but wonder if loud. Over the years. Those birds are so loud. I just remember the night before. So we were at the dinner with him, and he was. We were talking with him, and he said something about all the background noise. You know, he's kind of got to look at who he's talking to so he can make it out because he's picking up a lot of the ambient yeah. noise in the background. That's probably part of that. It's the same thing because it's not just the wind. But in the, the calling, calling and then the, the birds, birds themselves, they're loud as hell. And I think he, I mean, I, to me, that's why he's so loud with it is because he, he's having trouble distinguishing um, all those different sounds through his hearing aids. Or I was wondering if some, sometime in the past he had a client that didn't hear him. And it, maybe it's happened several times. Oh, yeah. Oh, didn't, I didn't hear the shot get called and then get mad at the guy. Yeah. Well, everybody came up shooting and nobody said anything, you know. And yeah, for sure. So you, you want to make that sure that's not quite a, a bit, I'd imagine. But that that was loud, man. It was like, it, it took me took me by surprise the first first couple times I heard it. I was like, geez. I mean, it, less so with me again, because I was on the far left. So I guess with each man away you, from yeah. him, I was like, I could hear him, but it wasn't like it was over the top. <laughs> yeah. I actually, a couple times, 
when Chad called, I, I think he said it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, I, I saw Clay starting to pop up, so I was getting up along with him. I had a little. Uh, I had one go where I sat up early, early. <laughs> anticipating Chad. You know, because Chad, you know, he's good at calling the shot, and he he does the get ready. You know, where Rocky doesn't do that. You know, Rocky just it was get him. You know, when, when Chad does the get ready, get ready, get ready, and it was like. I thought he was going to say, take him. And he get said, em. get ready again. And I freaking sit yeah, back you go, down again. Get him or get ready, get ready, yeah. get ready, get him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we could have stayed. I mean, we, we killed what ended up killing 101 birds. We killed 101. Well, it, was, it was 101. It was kind of, but it was kind of a, it was, there was kind of a debate there whether Chad counted correctly. And I thought I saw 103 somewhere. Uh-oh. So, well, yeah, we over were over a hundred, over a hundred per day. I know obviously for sure it was one hundred and one. By the way, obviously you watched them count them all. Eighteen and no, I just know eighty three went to the grinder and and eighty and eighteen for mountain. Oh, say that again. Eighty three plus eighteen. Oh, but that was just specs. Both. That was everything. So, okay, so how many did he take to the? He was going to mount. He took. He took 18. he took ten specs, and six. No, he took those two cacklers. The ten his ten his ten specs, and five snuggies must have been no and six no whatever whatever eighteen is six more. yeah six six snuggies. Do we, yeah, have any, so, do we have anything else? There were specs. We had the two cacklers well, and those it. That's it. Snows right. But I'm just saying over oh, whatever it was because we we could have stayed there. My point was we could have stayed there. We even got up, and right behind us, 2,000 birds jumped up. We didn't even know they were there. We could have killed them. How did they not make a sound all morning? All morning. And we were downwind of them, too. It was crazy. So I don't know what was going on there. They must have been just over, you know, a bump down off the next little rise that we couldn't hear them. But we could have stayed there for another couple hours and killed, as I mean, I was 200 snow geese, you know, 180 snow geese. Because that's the thing. At some point, we were killing snow geese. Yeah, exactly. Only, we right? were done and with I'm our like, specs. That wouldn't have been as fun. And we're just like, okay, how many, how many do you really need to kill? But at the same time, a hunt like that now really will feed everybody all year long with – because we took – all of them to the to the Gridley locker where they plucked full body specs and breasted out all the snow geese to where now we're going to grind that and make you know our sausages and stuff that we do that we do all the grind with with all our meat products. But that many birds, he's like, what are you going to do with that many birds? Well, we're going to eat them, obviously, and that's the cool thing about what we do is now. Those liberal numbers that you get a shoot out here in California, and if you've never done it, you should call Myrtle Waterfowl and get a, get on the ticket for next year. But um, the liberal numbers that you get to shoot, 10 specs, which are the best waterfowl there is to eat, and we all get to bring home 10. And 25 snow And 25 geese. snow geese, which we get to go bring home, and we didn't kill that many this trip, which we could have. We could have stayed there and, again, shot 200 snow geese, but we didn't. Um, but, Yeah. Now we get a, you know, they're already in the freezer. We picked them up, Gridley Locker. See, I like shooting the snow geese because to me, that's like coyote hunting. You're protecting those grasses. <laughs> those grasses can't fight or flight, so you got to help them out. I was kind of thinking, uh, it's let's say we stuck around and killed another 100 snow geese. So we killed 200 birds instead of 100. How does that change the decimal point on the birds that we're using as fields? Like, oh, yeah, it could have helped them out a little bit more. Well, 30,000 birds or 40,000 birds. Yeah. yeah, what's that different decimal point between but, 100 and 200? But, and I don't know the actual number, but if you think, you know, the, the way they look at it is like a deer, you know, and a deer eats two to three pounds of grain in, in a farmer's field, right? So over 365 days, that's a lot, you know, 900 pounds of food. The snow geese I, and, and geese in general, they've, there's got to be an equation. What do they eat? A half a pound of grass a day? If there's 30,000 of them, you know, do the math. So when you kill three or 400 of them, it does help. Do, I mean, obviously the goal is never to eradicate anything. and yeah. You'll you know, never eradicate those birds. No. Never. What, what? And, and they got to eat, and, and, a, and a farmer's got to calculate that loss. But yep. it helps. You know what I mean? It does help them. 
it helps, but also I think that, you know, them fertilizing that field kind of is a little payback too, because yeah. they're obviously getting it greatly fertilized being in there. And but, also, but also, you know, that we talked about it there, the way that they choose to live all, all close confined and all that stuff that spreads that avian flu that yeah. screws them up so bad. So thinning out their numbers a little bit there and they get, they get, they're going to get thinned out all the way through the flyway. You know what I mean? You're, they're going to. They're going to get it now. You know, late California's got their late season. I think Nevada's got a little bit of a late season, they don't they? Do, yeah. And then obviously a lot more popular in the Midwest and, you know, Arkansas and Missouri and those places. And they have those grinds like that too, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of snow geese making their way back up north. And they just get, you know, they get thinned down. But it's good. Yeah. But you, you said, wait a minute. What? Before we get too far away from this. No, I was going right back into it. I was just going to say that day. And that farmer, they've been there now. They were there for two weeks prior. That last, they've been there in his fields for at least a month. Yeah, figuring out, and you can't shoot him. You couldn't shoot him out of there. I mean, even, they, didn't, we, they didn't even go anywhere when we shot go, him. We shot him, and they would go land in the next field down and stay there for a little bit and jump and hop and move and come back and to get us. to the water. Yeah. Go and then some would work. To, it was insane. So when you're on the X, regardless of what it is. It doesn't matter what, I mean, we, we right. couldn't do no wrong. It was kind really. of a cool little setup because there was what, like at least five different ponds, you know, holding ponds and yeah. stuff on pretty much in every direction from where we were hunting, at least two, like 270 degrees and all that green grass in between and stuff. Yeah. You could see why 30, 40,000 birds were hanging out there because right. they had everything they needed. And it really wasn't, it was almost kind of little rolling hills and stuff and it was fenced and there was some cattle in some of the fields and stuff, but a pretty... I've I never, wouldn't think the predator, from a predator standpoint, those birds didn't have anything to worry about. I've never hunted keys in country like that, rolling hills. Rolling hills, yeah. Never. You, you, it's always flat. It, even though it was a field, it was rolling hills. <laughs> and anyway. It would have been, those would have been some fun ponds to hunt, you know, oh, throw, yeah, throw a could, floater oh, spread yeah. out there. Yeah, that, uh, that one in the field would have been insane. I wanted to ask you, because you just said Specs the best waterfowl you can eat. Better than a corn-fed mallard, no in doubt. your opinion? No doubt. Really? No doubt. Spec over that every time, huh? Yep. That's the top of the food chain. In my opinion. Now, some people will say um, um, cranes down yeah. there, you know, in Texas. The ribeye the, rib the sky. I've never sky. shot a crane. I, I have. Some people will say swans. Swans are okay, but nothing. a rice-fed speckle belly goose is well we had some notch. Was that night that yeah. night yep from night. rock had gotten them before so yeah, we, from sometime this season sometime so was, yeah, yeah, yeah they were as just, fresh as they could be and they were done on they were done whole birds right whole yeah, birds whole on the birds trigger slice that that was unreal yeah it's yeah, yeah no you, it's the best waterfowl in my opinion Mm. No doubt, and then not even not even to a cornfed mallard, then to a teal, then to a cornfed mallard. I you like a teal. I love a little teal. The problem is obviously you got to shoot a ton of them to get a full meal. It's like but, shooting quail. You yeah, know, yeah exactly. Of, but they're, I, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people will tell you uh, a rice fed speckle belly is the top top of the chain when it comes to feed. Where so do that's why we do a, full, that's why we do full body and leave the skin on and everything because. You know, we just don't want to grind all that stuff into make it into a taco and stuff. That's what you do with snow geese. Where do you put a uh, crawdad fed mallard? <laughs> the Truckee River crawfed down list? from the the shit plant. What do you do there? Hmm. Full of diaper. <laughs> no, that. But you, you I'm just... glad you. Got, I didn't know it was your first. Your guys' first time in in a. I thought you had done it. Down there, I know you've been down there and hunting geese I'd, before, but I've never, never done the snow goose, goose thing where you're not in a layout blind. And I was going to say, I've shot snow geese before, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I've no, never laid in the spread that with style. Them, yeah. That's that's cool. I'm glad you guys got to experience it then, because it. I, you, I you get you more right in the action because you're not covered up with the blind. Right, you, you get it full more. access. You just kind of got to hide behind a decoy a little bit, whatever. But when it's on like that, it's it's just awesome. So what I did, I took one of the snow goose decoys on my left shoulder 
and I just turned it to where his head was like right here. It kind of yeah. blocked the sun a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that little when the sun would poke through a little bit. And I could just look out right underneath its beak. And that's the every every bird we killed came right through that little pocket there. Yeah. We never up until when we were leaving, there ended up being some birds behind us, but they were not coming from the north. They weren't no. coming downwind. So they either come off of the our left shoulder, which was east, or they were coming straight out of the south and straight into our laps. Yeah, it was um you you mentioned briefly that dinner what dinner the spec dinner we had that night yep everything that night was good though i heard you this last had, night yeah no saturday night or whenever it was sunday night sunday night yeah with the with the party challenge from yeah, Napa Valley. Had yeah. gorgonzola cheese sauce no on the anything that ever was so good like i've never that was such an interesting so we had, flavor what do we have over there we had gnocchi we had tripe in a red sauce which i did not like the tripe itself i loved it see i anyway tripe uh, speckle belly goose in a in a fruit sauce reduction which was unbelievable um what else was there on that, well, that charcuterie, the charcuterie board the charcuterie. Was the, was the salami one. mortadella the sardines all the bread and crackers, all my and pickled cheese. stuff. I'm gonna forget yeah. the name of that. There was two different cheeses. The one that kind of, kind of looked like a little bit of a blue cheese, but it was a like a cabernet. He said something about it. It's, something. it's aged with merlot or merlot. Yeah, I can't remember and what the name of that cheese that was. was. The that one was one eat the wax. Yeah, that was yeah. that was my favorite cheese. Yeah, that was good. that was unreal. I don't know that. I don't know what it was, but it was a softer cheese that had the olive oil and salt and pepper on it. Oh, that was pretty yeah. dang good. Yeah, I can't remember what you said those names. We, we so ran many. through a jar of clays, hot <laughs> carrots, pickles. Eggplants. Uh, uh, cowboy candy was cowboy gone candy, almost. Pickled relish. <laughs> which I, I don't like when you bring that stuff out to the large groups. You keep that a little tighter. <laughs> well, so now we just got to pick a day that we have to grind up all these snow geese and make some sausage now. Snow geese salami. Is that going to be right after you guys volunteer your time to help me clean my truck? No, I don't have nothing to do with that once it hits the ground. Yeah, that's t- typically if you drive, you got to clean your own truck. Um, well, then another fair. thing, though, is uh, your dad is going to make some spec jerky, correct? Snow goose jerky. Oh, snow goose. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we want to sacrifice the specs. I just, the I can't remember what you said, but yeah. Yeah. That'll be good. Throw it on the Traeger. That's his favorite. Yeah. Traeger's those goose breast cuts them up obviously thin slices because it's you know the shape of it's actually perfect for yeah jerky jerky. cut them against the grain into strips and smoke them on the old treg oh yeah everything gets used except the feathers and when i got home nicole and was like can you do it next year and we'll make a down pillow and i'm like do you realize to get the down not just you got to get the feathers off you can't use the feathers to get the down off a goose how many geese it would take to make like a goose down blanket or something you know kent does that but it's got to be oh thousands. Well, he, you know, it might be a whole season full of duck and goose hunting that he turns into a little pillow you know or something like that really but yeah he he goes through and and uh plucks all you because you pluck that top layer of yeah. you know feathers off and then you all the downs there then you got to sit there and meticulously pluck all the down off and put it in a bag and it can't get wet you know you know so like a lot of times coming off the marsh or whatever your ducks are wet or whatever they got to be dry they got to be in perfect shape you got to pluck the top layer off then pluck all that down off yeah i don't think i'd have that much patience Patience. i don't think i like down pillows that much (laughs) i'll get me one from old mike lindell (laughs) 2.0 my pillow Uh 2.0 uh-huh what do we got next? Um, got any more coyotes, Don? Well, we got coyotes whenever we want, but um, waterfowl youth day, February 11th. Chase going out? Yeah. Gonna if there's any birds, hopefully, hopefully the birds start moving back up here in the next couple of weeks because they have been gone. And then off to NWTF, and then snow goose camp uh, with black goose outfitters, and then back to SCI. Then back home and edit. <laughs> <laughs> Handcuff myself to a table. Yeah. What uh what what kind of a time crunch do you get on professionally since you brought it up? So if you're back March, you've got work due in June? 
the first episode is due to the network um the second week of june we we go to air when you know whenever the week breaks down this year sometimes it's the last week of june or the first week of july whatever wherever that week breaks um we should discuss this one time in in depth because you know we just briefly spoke with tom he took 2603 pictures on that four, three hour hunt was it a three hour hunt what it, time did the sun come up we seven at ten Yep, three hour hunt. So a three hour hunt, twenty six hundred feet. Now that's di- but so then you got a camera running, so you got three hours of footage to to go through. Yeah, we can go over this. It's 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 not it's, it's daunting. That's <laughs> crazy. And then you know, I mean, obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but for all for twenty two and a half minutes. Of I was going to say there's each a, and then there's a lot of things that just aren't. You don't just throw, you know, thirty minutes of hunting up onto the screen sometimes i get frustrated and i'll just be like because we have running cameras and i'll just be like i'm going to take the best 22 and a half minutes of this for an episode no editing just straight (laughs) raw see what here it is and see what people say speed it up (laughs) slow it down add a little music to it yeah it would be uh yeah we can go over that next week if you want would you rather go through that tedious process or pick that down off of that goose it's about the same (laughs) it's about the same yeah about the same but anyway it was a fun way to and because we we only did it because idaho got canceled right so we were all supposed to be in idaho this last weekend to finalize or end the duck season go uh, you know regular duck and goose season but that got canceled because of weather and some other situations and we just kind of threw this together out of the, out of the blue and said well if it works it works if not it's not you know it's nothing we'll still we're not expecting times, anything yeah. we'll still have some good times with the dinners and went to bass norde mm-hmm. family style bass restaurant celebrate joey merlo's birth 16th birthday so a lot of good things in duck camp and then you top it off with a 101 312 whatever day the last <laughs> day of the season a 10 mile an hour north wind starts blowing God, perfect that was pretty good luck i uh I vacillated. That's a word that you can look up later. <laughs> I vacillated between would would Idaho have been more fun because John Shaw's place and the Angler Bar and the the Mallards down there were up Hagerman. there. So awesome. But what we got to do there was pretty pretty epic too. And I and I'm glad I got to go see Chance's games. Uh, oh, and yeah. I got a Butte hat out of the deal that uh, wouldn't have got up there. You're welcome bass dinner we wouldn't have had up there so i mean i'm totally happy with the trip that made you know chicken salad out of chicken s as they so to say because we did get that idaho one pulled out from under us pretty and with relatively short notice yeah when you, but, you you've been planning on take days off work and then oh yeah. uh no by the way we're not going right <laughs> right yeah but i did hear when we left the part of Chelly's from napa valley they went and killed their Limit that day. They, they did he, get him he, on said it, he said it was awesome. Worked perfect in the decoys at 10 yards. They were just with that wind that next day because it was cold that next day, 28, 28 degrees, I think. There, it was cold. There. And they said they worked perfect. Pintail, Gadwall, Mallards, just Dang. all big ducks worked and they, nice. they had a really good shoot. So um, good for them. If you need some olive oil, get to Napa Valley olive oil. Um, best in the country. They got all the salamis and cheeses. And if you ever are in Napa, go to you their order little, online too. That's what I'm saying. You can go yeah. along. But if you're ever in Napa, go to their little white barn up in St. Helena. Just yeah, it's the, Napa Valley Olive Oil Company, but it's like a authentic oh. Italian, you know, home country Italian. Well, you know, it's a it's a shop. You could go there shop. It's a garage, old garage. Yeah, that well, got converted. Yeah, it's, the, it's the original where they used to move the oil. It's awesome. You get a little tour through there, and some of the yeah. original equipments in there. But they have everything: cheeses, like, salamis, yeah, oils, and also just imported. Something. They have imported candies, and pasta, just all kinds of stuff. It's yeah. awesome. So if you ever cool in little store. Napa, Saint Helena, I think they call it Helena, not Helena, Saint Helena, Helena. Um, anyway, just on the north end of the valley in Napa Valley. It's just um, opposite of the road where um, Paul Pelosi got in an accident. <laughs> Did you just sell your uh, Google shares and make $12 million? Um, we weren't anyway, gonna, we're not talking about politics. Get that uh, Napa olive oil and then... Earl. 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 And then get some meat grinders. 
and do some work on your own processing. Nothing more enjoyable to. What do you mix them snuggies the with? Pork butt. Of course, twenty percent, twenty-five percent, and then whatever flavoring you want, or you can leave it. Make Rot. burgers and add, you can add some burger. beef to make some snow goose burger. I have had a snow goose burger before. Pork fat to add to make sausage. Then you can make any flavor. Add our provider seasonings. Yeah, the world is yours. You're all just living in it, and so right. are thirty thousand snow geese till next year. Now there's only twenty eight thousand. <laughs> Hey, I'm happy we got to bring home a success story. Uh, Happy we all got to hang out and do a little hunting in Northern California, the quite possibly the worst state in the world that has a couple of the greatest areas in the world. You cut California in half, you'd be all right, maybe, or kind of a jagged line, but mostly in half. Um, we should, we should just hook that into Nevada. We should. It wouldn't be too bad. Look at next time you look at a map. Look at how uh, parallel uh, Reno and Chico Chico are. I mean, Chico is almost due west right. of Reno. It's crazy. Right. You don't you think about the way you drive there and stuff. But if you could just go maybe about Carson City, about that kind of longitude, and cut it, cut the states right in half. We trade them Vegas. And we get Northern California. I'm done. I'm right. ready. I'd sign that, that line. I'd right sign there. that petition. Yeah. Put us on the plan. Like the Jeff, what do they got? The Jefferson thing or whatever it is up there in yeah, Oregon, yeah, Washington, Jefferson, Oregon, yeah. state of, state of Jefferson. Annex. We'll call it the state We're of. We're not talking politics or hammer beatings. <laughs> you gotta, well, I don't even know what that is. You got to admit something was wrong with that. The guy's holding a cocktail in his underpants at whatever time of night. <laughs> I don't know what it is going That's on. That's for a different show. And the different mysterious show. third person. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you. Where in the eye?